X-Man, Superman, Batman, Aquaman, Ant-Man are all good examples of uh, folks, people who seem to be in the right place at the right time to do the right thing. Wouldn't it be nice that if in real life people like Ant-Man and Superman and the X-Men and Batman would show up just when you need them? And I'm sure you've had situations in your own life when you wish, oh man, I wish that a superhero would come and swoop in and save me from the situation I'm in. Or maybe it's happened to you in the past. I remember one time I was working as a volunteer youth leader in Pasadena. And uh, the youth choir was, was practicing in the chapel. You know, a bunch of kids practicing their song. And there was a lot of com- commotion outside the door. There was a couple of homeless guys who were kind of whooping it up, you know, outside the core door, and they were drinking and being very loud and boisterous and so forth. And so the leader of the youth choir asked me to go out there and ask those guys to keep it down. So I did. I went out there and I said, guys, do you mind just kind of moving along because we're trying to, you know, let the kids practice and all that. Well, you know, a lot of times in my experience, the homeless and so forth are pretty nice, you know, happy-go-lucky, friendly and so forth. But I think I picked out two of the meanest homeless guys I had ever come across because they immediately got up on their feet and they started pushing me around. And one guy particularly was like a judo master or something because he started like doing like kicks on me and pushed me around. And I figured, you know what? As I thought in my head, I'm about ready to get my rump kicked. This is going to be ugly. This is going to be bad. I hope my wife could recognize me when this is all done. But you know what? Just in my moment of peril, just in my moment of need, a superhero just happened to come by in the form of a Pasadena police car. And that car drove by and saw what was about ready to happen. And he pulled over. And those two guys saw this police officer coming. And they jumped on their bikes and they ran down the road on their bikes. I was delivered at just the right time by that police officer. Now, if I was to come across those two guys today, they'd really be in big trouble. (laughs) Well, I'm not so sure about that. At just the right time, at the right place, In the right circumstances, we need a superhero once in a while. Well, occasionally in history, a leader of a nation seems to come along at just the right time. And I think one of the greatest examples of that is a fellow by the name of Winston Churchill. In 1940, Great Britain was on the ropes. Most of uh, Europe had been conquered by by the Nazis, by Nazi Germany. France was about ready to go out, and Britain would stand by its own. And Winston Churchill was elected to be the new Prime Minister of England. The king asked him to serve. And a very important day in May of 1940, Winston Churchill stood before the British Parliament and he made a speech. And in that speech, he made this humble declaration. He said to the people of England, I have nothing to offer but blood, toil, tears, and sweat. It was a simple but powerful message needed at that moment in those circumstances for his people. And history has proved that he was the right man for the right moment in the right circumstances who would lead his nation throughout the war and to victory. Winston Churchill, the right place at the right time under the right circumstances. And I'm going to suggest to you today That God has placed you exactly where he wants you to be. You're his person 
for the moment. You're his person for the circumstances around you. You're his person for the place where you work. You're his person for your family. You're his person at the right place at the right time. And God has given you a message to share as well. And it's a lot like that message that Winston Churchill shared. It's a message of blood, sweat, and tears. That's the message that God wants us to share with his world today. It's a message of blood, sweat, and tears. In fact, those words, I believe, is about all you need to know. That's required of a salvationist, of a Christian who's seeking to serve God. And it would be a message that I would preach particularly to those new soldiers and junior soldiers and adherents that were enrolled today. Your message, your call in life, is to share Blood, sweat, and tears. We need to celebrate the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to celebrate the blood. Now, for most of us, the thought of blood is not too pleasant, especially when it's our own, right? On Tuesday, I had to take a trip to the hospital. It was rather unexpectedly. It turned out that I had pneumonia. And as they checked me out, one of the things they had to do was draw blood. My wife, or my daughter would say later on, she was embarrassed by what a wimp I was when they came to take my blood. Now, I don't remember it that way. All I remember is I saw a needle about that long coming at me. None of us likes to think too much about blood, especially when it's our own. But blood, in the context of spiritual matters, is a subject worth celebrating. You see, many are confused about how seekers are saved from sins and how we reconnect with God. There might be people even here today who think that going through a ceremony, you know, being baptized is what saves you. Some of you might think it's being part of a church, you know, role. Some of you might think it's, uh, you know, by giving money to the church or because your parents were faithful in the church. Or maybe you think that just by doing good works, That's what saves you. But I want to tell you today, what saves us is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what saves us. 1 John 3.16 says that this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. It's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that saves us. Alan Walker tells the story of uh, driving through the outback of Australia And as he was driving through the outback of Australia, he looked in the distance and he saw a hawk that was circling one particular spot. And he had no idea what that hawk was doing, but when he turned the corner, he saw that hawk dive towards a flock of sheep. And this hawk attacked one particular lone sheep. And Mr. Walker was moved with compassion for that sheep as he saw it being ravaged by that hawk and so he stopped his car and he jumped out and he ran over to where the hawk was attacking that sheep and he got there and he shooed away the hawk but just as he arrived that sheep fell over dead and he turned to move away but he saw some movement underneath the body of that sheep and underneath that sheep there was a newly born lamb it was alive but soaked in the blood of its mother And in a sense, that's what Jesus Christ has done for me and for you. He shielded us from the consequences of sin. And in essence, he covers us with his blood. 
In response to his suffering, in response to his death, in response to the blood that he shed for you and for me, we simply have to admit our need. We have to believe that it's the blood of Jesus Christ that can save us, and we have to commit ourselves to him. That's our response to the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's a huge step. To accept Jesus Christ as our Savior is huge. But I want to tell you today that the blood can do so much more for us than just save us from our sins. In fact, that's just the beginning of our journey. You see, even at the moment that we embrace Jesus Christ as Savior, we're still stuck with all of our bad habits. We're still the same person we were. We still have that negative way of thinking. We still are kind of wallowing in self-pity. Even when we're saved, we're still that same person we were. Oh, we've been saved from our sins, but the same habits, attitudes, and way of thinking resides. We've made a good start by calling Jesus the Savior of our life, but now we must declare him Lord of our life. In other words, what was good enough before we met Jesus is no longer acceptable once we've placed our faith in him. Things need to change. Look, when I was a bachelor, I lived my life a certain way. You know, I'd get out of bed in the morning and I'd look at my bed, it was all messed up. Did I make my bed? No, I never made my bed. Why would I want to make my bed, I thought to myself. You know, I'm just going to sleep in it, you know, in 12 more hours. I never made my bed. And laundry, well, whenever I wore clothes, I would just kind of throw them around. And uh, finally, I'd get down to two pieces. You know, it might be a red shirt and a green pair of pants. I'd wear those. It was time for laundry. That's just the way I lived my life. And food, you know, I'd, I'd prepare myself some food. And what I didn't eat, i just kind of put, you know, by the bed. I used to eat a lot of apples, for example. You survive on apples when you're single. And then months later... I would find these dried up apple cores laying all around in my shoes, under pillows, in the mattress and so forth. That's kind of the way I lived my life. But then I met my girlfriend who would become my wife, Shelly. And she required change in my life. What was acceptable in the past was no longer acceptable going forward. In the future, I had to transition into a new way of thinking. And in a spiritual sense, that's what happens in our journey with God. The blood of Jesus Christ saves us from our sins. However, that's only the beginning of our spiritual journey. God requires that we set aside the old for the new. We enter into new relationship with him. The Bible says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. That's step number one. That's a huge step. We're saved and to purify us from all unrighteousness. That's another step that we can take. We can become mature. We can become holy. We can become like the Lord Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ saves us from sin and also makes us clean through and through. So look, if you want to be God's person for the moment, and I believe he's placed you exactly where he wants you to be, you've got to be a person of the blood, who celebrates the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've been saved from our sin, and we can be sanctified from our sin by living a holy life because he cleanses us with his blood from all unrighteousness. But look, if we also want to be the right person in the right place at the right time, we also have to work up a sweat 
serving God and others. 1 John 3.18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or tongue, but with actions and in truth. It's not enough to know the right thing to do. We also have to back it up with action. Action is required. Look, there's a lot of us here today who, who realize we need to get in better shape. We know that to be true. We know we need to eat smarter. We know we should pass on the donuts, the cookies, the white rice, the double cheeseburgers, and the fries. We know that to be true. My wife and I flew in from the mainland yesterday. And because we fly a lot, once in a while we get bumped up. We got bumped up to first class. That's a big thrill for us. It doesn't happen that often, but when it does, you know, we enjoy it. Because what they do is they bring you food. And so we had a nice dinner. And then after dinner, they brought us a, a hot fudge sundae. I know I don't need that hot fudge sundae, but you know what I did? I ate that hot fudge sundae. And then later on, uh, they brought us cookies that were like uh, newly baked chocolate chip cookies. Now, my wife was asleep at the time, and so, you know, she just gave me mine, and she turned away, and I said, well, go ahead and give one for my wife, too, because she'll want it later on. (laughs) Well, guess who ate that second cookie? Look, I know, we know. We need to eat smarter. We know we need to turn off the TV and get outside and run around the neighborhood. We know we need to get off the sofa and get on the bike. We know we need to pump some iron and do some push-ups. Unfortunately, it's not enough to know what the right thing is to do. We have to put that knowledge into action. And Jesus Christ drove that ministry or that message home a lot in his ministry. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? You know, a man goes walking down the road and he gets beaten up by robbers. He's a Jewish man. Beaten up by robbers. He's left there by the side of the road to die. His only hope is that somebody will come by and help him. Well, some people do come by. You know, there's, there's a Levite who comes by, a priest who come by. And these are people who have religious training. They're moral people. They're people who've been around. They understand the way things work. They know what the right thing to do is. But because of other priorities, they walk on by. They had the head knowledge. They didn't really have the heart knowledge. Well, who stops and helps the man? It's a Samaritan. A Samaritan who's an avowed enemy of the Jews. They hate each other. There's a long history of animosity between those religious groups, those those ethnic groups. The Samaritan is the last person in the world you would have thought would have stopped and helped that Jewish man by the road, but he did. The Bible tells us that he he took him to an inn and the person there took care of him. and, And the Samaritan said, look, whatever costs there are, I'll cover it. And this was all for a stranger You see, the Samaritan, he knew what the right thing to do was, and he put it into action. So here's the question I would just simply ask you today. You have the head knowledge, but what are you doing to work up a sweat in order to serve God and others? Think about your life, who you work with, Who are the people with needs around you? What can you do to engage them in service? What about this core? What is it that you can do to be involved 
to work up a sweat in serving God. Oh, we're saved by grace, I know that. But he expects us to be engaged. Now, if you and I were at Aloha Stadium, and we are watching uh, the Warriors play football, and they were losing, which I know rarely happens because they're such a good team. (laughs) But let's just pretend that the Warriors were actually losing to, say, USC. And we tried to run down on the field. What would happen? They would arrest us. They would kick us out of the stadium. Because when you're watching a football game, you can't go down to the field. You can't be engaged. But, you know, the church is just the opposite. There's an expectation that you come down, not, not come here and not be spectators, but you be engaged in what we used to call the Great Salvation War. You're somebody who's involved, who's engaged, who's, who's taking part, who's working up a sweat to make a difference. Oh, my friends, what is God calling you to do? I believe that he wants you to be his person for the moment in the right circumstances to serve him. In order to do that, you need to be a person who shares and celebrates the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be a person who works up a sweat in serving him. Here's the last thing that I would say to you today about what it means, I think, to be a good follower of Jesus Christ, somebody who's the right person at the right place at the right time. We've got to be willing to shed tears for the hurting. We've got to be willing to share tears for the hurting. Now that's sometimes hard to do because the reality is is that people do a lot of stupid things. Sometimes it's very hard to empathize with people in pain. Sometimes it's very difficult to feel sorry for people who seem to get themselves in troubles of all kinds. We shake our heads in disbelief rather than crying tears for others or being empathetic. And yet Christians need to develop a heart that identifies with other people's hurts and needs. You and me, we need to be a person of empathy. We need to be a person who cries tears. 1 John 3.17 says, If anyone has material possessions and sees his brother in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in him? Are you capable of showing pity, of showing empathy? of showing sympathy for others in need. Certainly, Jesus was capable of showing empathy for those who were hurting physically, relationally, and spiritually. When Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary, died, John 11.35 says, Jesus wept. When the 5,000 were hungry, both physically and spiritually, the Bible tells us in Mark that Jesus had compassion on them. And when the leper came and asked for healing, somebody who was distanced, segregated, vilified. The Bible tells us in the book of Mark, chapter 1, that Jesus reached out and touched the man because he had compassion on them. He was capable of showing empathy, of shedding some tears for someone in need. And I, look, I would just ask you today, as you think about your own life journey, Are you willing to share your story, your pain, with others who are walking a similar road? Travis Harmonic plays uh, for the New York Islanders, uh, a professional hockey player. And a terrific player, Travis Harmonic. When he was about 10 years old, his father died. And it was a devastating experience for Travis. 
His father was his hero. Now his father was gone. And for many years, he had a hard time kind of channeling what to do with that pain, with that suffering. He had a hard time kind of dealing with that loss and and trying to turn it into some kind of positive, to find a silver lining. But finally, he got tired of kind of wallowing in his own tears and decided to try to be a source of empathy for others. So after every New York Islanders home game, win or lose, a child is ushered into the locker room. A child who's recently lost a parent. And Travis Harmonic will sit down with that child. He'll tell him his story. They'll take some photos. They'll have a conversation. And they'll share with them, share with that child a simple but profound message. The sun will come up tomorrow and things will get better. And look, that's a message. That's a spiritual message for us that we can share with people in need. If you want to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ, we have to be a person of empathy. We have to be a person capable of sharing tears. Well, William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, had a heart for the hurting and challenge the Salvation Army of his day to reach out to others. It's a challenge that still resounds for us today. In just a moment, we're going to watch a video. And we're going to hear the words of the founder of the Salvation Army. I thought it would be, be important for our new enrollees to connect with the founder even on this enrollment Sunday. And it reminds us that we need to be a people of blood. We need to be a people of, of tears We need to be a a people of sweat. So watch the video, and then I'll just have a final comment or two. I am glad you are enjoying yourself. The salvationist is the friend of happiness, making heaven on earth is our business. Serve the Lord with gladness is one of our favorite models. So I am pleased that you are pleased. But amidst all your toys, don't forget to touch your thoughts If you ever visit them, come away and let us take a call on you. Here is a home, sweet and family, bathed and drink and sleep and sing and die in the same chamber. Here is a doctor's novel, void of furniture, wife of skeletons, children in rags, father bouncing of his neglect. Here are the unemployed wandering about seeking work and finding not. Yonder are the wretched criminals cradled in crime passing in and out of the prison all the time. There are the daughters of shame deceived and wronged and ruined traveling down the dark inclined to an early grave. There are the children fighting in the gutter going up to it Going up to fill their parents' places, brought it all on themselves, you say, perhaps so. But that does not excuse our assisting them. You don't demand the certificate of virtue before you drag the drowning creature out of the water, nor the assurance that a man has paid his rent before you deliver it from the burning building. But what shall we do? Content ourselves by singing a hymn, offering a prayer, or giving a little good advice. No, 
God has a message for his people today. He calls us to share a message of blood, sweat, and tears. That's all you need to know in order to be a good soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And just as Winston Churchill was the right person at the right place, at the right time, in the right circumstances to lead his nation to victory at its darkest moment, you and me, are the people that God has placed exactly where we are. He's positioned us exactly where he wants us to be to serve a world in need. Let's be faithful. Let's be bold. Let's follow his call for our lives.